Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 18 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Thanks for joining us today. Devin Vasco is a graduate of the University of South Alabama. She is a missionary from the Deep South. She has been married 20 years to Nikolai Vasco, a good-looking Belarusian born in the former Soviet Union. Devin has homeschooled for 17 years, educating their five wild Belarusian-American children, ranging from a 19-year-old graduate to a five-year-old kindergartner. Her passion is for bringing hope and inspiring professionalism in mothers. She sees every mother as the essential element to the success of her home. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6, verse 8. So welcome to FASD Hope, Devin Vasco. I'm so happy to have you today. I'm so glad to be here. So Devin and I know each other on Facebook. Devin runs an amazing Facebook group and basically a a service for people out there who are homeschooling or who are considering homeschooling. And I just find her a resource in the homeschool community. So I asked Devin to be on our show today. So Devin, if you can just share with us your background and your homeschool journey and what led you to forming professional home educator. Well, I've homeschooled, let's see, about 17 years now. I began when my son was two. I was only going to homeschool through preschool. And that was my plan because when I, when I graduated from university, I looked around and it was too expensive and I was like for daycare. And I was like, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be working to pay daycare. So um, we decided me and my husband that I would homeschool for preschool and we'd do that at home. I had two littles at that time. And the closer I got to kindergarten, the more we had, we had met homeschoolers before it was this, you know, 17 years ago, it was new, but not that new. So I started kind of feeling jealous over sending him off to kindergarten and some other woman seeing his little eyes light up. And I had taught in a group home for EC and MR. I get, I don't know what terms they would use now. That was 20 years ago, but I had taught in a, as a teacher assistant and I, I kind of said, well, I can teach. I've done this. So we jumped in and we haven't looked back. I am a retired missionary preacher's kid and looking around, people needed help. And so next thing I knew, I'd barely been homeschooled. And next thing I knew, I was jumping in and helping other families. So that's how I started. <laughs> so. I love that. I love that. And I love, I love how you say you didn't want some an other woman getting, <laughs> getting Google eyes from, from your son when he, uh, no. <laughs> that's great. That's great. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's our mama's heart. You know, we, uh, that's, that's how we are. Where it started. Absolutely. During your homeschool journey, have any special needs come up with any of your kids or, or any, um, kids that you've been equating with? Um, um, in our area locally, I'm in, I guess you could say in leadership and I have helped a lot of mamas who have had struggles and disabilities and special needs. And that's one of the reasons we 
that professional home educator, the group started. We started out meeting once a week and we would have different types of workshops, everything from basic homeschooling to homeschooling with disabilities and anything you can think of. It's like every time you dive into one subject, it's like there's 10,000 more. But we started doing that monthly and people kept begging to have it recorded and have it having the workshops recorded. So then I figured out a way to do it online. And next thing you knew, it was like, you know, once a week. I have seen many families have great success with homeschooling. I mean, maybe not every situation, but I think about 95% of the time, if you look at homeschooling seriously, it can it can solve most issues or you can find ways because nobody nobody outside of a mother will fight for that child as well. That's so. right. So when I talk to folks about homeschooling, that's one of the first things I tell them is that you know your child better than anybody and you're with your child more than anybody else. So I think there's this fear that new homeschoolers have that they can't do it. Can you talk about that a little bit before we start talking about professional home educator? Why do you think there's such a a big fear amongst new homeschoolers that they think that they're not able to tackle homeschooling? Um, I think, well, part of it is because, um, you know, just our society, we feel like, you know, it's, it's like a milestone. You send your child off to kindergarten or you send your child off to middle school. There's a lot of milestones that people begin to think that they are not qualified to teach their children. But the thing is, is if you're willing to learn and you're willing to ask for help, you can, you can accomplish much. Just think like when your child is small and they're learning to walk, you help that child to learn to walk. Yes, they could probably teach themselves to walk on their own, but what mother does, you're standing there and you're helping them stand up and balance. Then you're holding their hands while they're walking around. If you go into homeschooling with the same desire to help, then you're going to be able to accomplish it. And then we have such a huge community of resources. All you have to do is do a Google now. 17 years ago when I started, there was not Google or Facebook. It was not, you could not find the wealth of information out there that you can find now. So I really think even if you do not have a degree, that there's somebody somewhere who can help you when you get the rough spots. I agree a hundred percent. And we've been homeschooling coming up on seven years. And even in the past five years, I've seen a tremendous boom in resources. resources. It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So let's talk about professional home educator. I am blessed to be a part of this group and I'm blessed actually to have presented by the time this podcast airs, I will have presented for professional home educator. And I love that you're able to save the recordings because that's such a valuable resource. It is. And we're working on making it easier to find those resources. Um, by January, the website will be, well, one of my websites will be updated I'm not sure how it works yet. I have an assistant (laughs) that helps me. Thank God. I'm not exactly. People think I'm techie all the time and I am not. Um, I I learned things, how to fix things on tech. And then I have to relearn the next year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, what are some be able to, yeah, you'll be able to find it on the website and just watch it there. So it'll be easier to find. So what are some of the topics you cover and what are some of the, I know you have consultations available. Tell me what you offer. We have weekly workshops, sometimes more than one a week, depending on 
we started out with local speakers that would give of their time. Our, my local area is so strong homeschooling wise. And we have such a wealth of information that I have my local teachers that will teach anything I throw at them. So we really, there's no topic off limits. If you can't find one you need, um, you can let me know and I will dig until I find somebody or I'll research it myself and teach it. We have national teachers now. Cindy LaJoy has, is phenomenal. Anytime she teaches I love anything. Cindy. She's fantastic. She, yeah, she's with Blue Collar in case anybody yeah. doesn't know yep. about Blue Collar Homeschool. How they can't. Yeah. I mean, she's fabulous. But we have a wealth of teachers. Um, anything from learning how to grade your child's essay to homeschooling with disabilities. Sometimes we do um, self-care ones. Sometimes, let's see, in October we did a series on um, domestic violence. So whatever that we feel is relevant and what we add, have people ask for, we research and find people. That's terrific. We're talking about challenges with homeschooling because FASD Hope, you know, our audience primarily is mostly parents and caregivers of those kids, teens that have either an FASD or another brain-based diagnosis. Let's talk about some of the challenges that through professional home educator that you've had parents bring up when um, homeschooling. We have had, let's see, uh, we have a lot of parents who did different things from twice exceptional with um, bright and gifted. We have had a couple of workshops for that. It's really an area I'm trying to push into, but it's harder to find there's so many different diagnoses and it's in homeschooling, trying to find resources has been difficult, but um, we are bre breaking into that. Every time I have somebody come up, I'm like, will you teach this? Who do you suggest to teach this? Absolutely. But um, so, yeah, so that's one area I do want to work on this year that we have more to that's, offer and what we've had in the past. That's great. Now, Tell me a little bit about your homeschool journey. What are some things that you've found useful as a homeschool mama to give encouragement to those families out there that are either considering or that have just started homeschooling? A lot of times I find myself telling mamas to relax, to take a deep breath because they're trying to answer all the questions at one time. And it's not always a good thing. Well, not that it's a bad thing, but you're not always able to answer every question when you start the journey at that one time. So I always say, you know, make a list. You start with the first one. The first one is your legal is finding out how do you legally homeschool where you are. Once you have that solved, then you take a deep breath and work on the next one. I always tell them that if there's anything undiagnosed, any issues, handle that first before you even worry about curriculum. So that is usually something I, I tell them to handle when they're de-schooling, which is kind of like a process of making yes. that transition decompression from yeah decompression I said work on reconnecting with yes. your family with your children because reconnecting emotionally with your children is going to go a long way and you and are it, hitting every point yeah but really I mean work on relaxing making yes. a list yes don't let it overwhelm you because you don't have to have all the answers that yeah. first day yeah and sometimes you don't even have all the answers six months in and you take time to find all your diagnoses. Make sure you know what's actually going on. If there are diagnoses already, make sure you get your records from the school. Yes. Because if you need any kind of new treatment or therapy or stuff, you having that diagnosis already there goes a long way. So you're not like having to get re-diagnosed. 
um, and then making sure you have your connection then at, with your children. Then at that point, you can take a deep breath and start looking for curriculum. And you just hit those points. So right on the spot, <laughs> <laughs> know your laws and they're different in every state and every yeah. province. And, and we know as, as homeschool moms that homeschooling is legal in every state in the every country state. and every Don't province. Don't anybody tell you otherwise. Exactly. And I would highly recommend HSLDA. Um, yes, we've we had, love them. Yeah, we've had Kathy Cool on our podcast, who's amazing. And she recommends that that's one of her first recommendations is HSLDA.org, which we'll list on the FASDHope.com website. And as well in our program notes, HSLDA will guide you, even though the states have different laws, sometimes the district's you know, we've found we, we, our family has lived in a highly regulated state prior to moving to North Carolina. And some of the districts, you know, can try to be a little strong armed, but if you know those laws and you know, what's required of you, then you can, you know, stand faithful in that. You you don't have to let somebody try to strong arm you. Um, And then secondly, know the diagnosis. That's wonderful advice. I think because what we're doing through homeschooling, and we've said this on this podcast before, is we're accommodating to your child's needs. So if you know your child needs extra support in math, then you're going to make sure that the diagnosis is accurate and make sure you have support. And then you're going to choose either your curriculum or your method or your strategy based on those needs. So that's a really important point. I'm so glad you're bringing it. And also allowing that what we call de-schooling or I also call decompression time. Decompressing, yes. Yeah, Yeah, because if you think about how long your child has been in either a regular school, public school, private school, they need that decompression time because- Homeschooling is not school at home. I think that's that's a big fallacy. Homeschooling is so much different. I feel blessed as a homeschooler that both my kids are enjoying what they're learning. And I don't know how your take on homeschooling versus schooling at home is. Um, what about the parents uh, who are trying to recreate that? What, are, what is your advice to them? Um, be aware that it doesn't always work because you're not in the same situation home is not school. They don't run the same way. They don't function the same way. And so when you try to recreate school at home and you start hitting blocks because they're not the same place, don't get frustrated. It's okay. Find um, a veteran homeschooler. They can help you work out the bugs. I have had lots of moms this year that we've had to work through bugs and make adjustments, but um, yeah, they're just not the same place. So it's okay. Don't get, yeah, don't get overwhelmed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And another thing too, is that homeschooling is a good fit, especially for kids that learn differently or have special needs because you can make it more engaging. um, You can make it more sensory and you can also make it more experiential. It doesn't have to be at home. You know, pre-COVID, we went on field trips every week, you know, and and we did, you know, co-ops every week and classes every week. I think you know, I have want- told many parents not to judge this, this homeschooling yes, by this year. Absolutely. Because it has been a tough year for everybody. Yes. Even the, tra- even homeschoolers yeah. who have done years. Yeah. 
Yeah, it has because our co-ops are not meeting or they're meeting less or they're meeting virtually, you know, and we're, we're having to do things according to, you know, to our states and to stay safe. So yeah, I mean, people think, oh, this is homeschooling. Well, it's really not, you know, honestly, it's not. Hopefully people who have been on the fence about homeschooling will realize that when they start homeschooling at home, and like you said, making connections with their children or with their teens, that they can build that relationship so that when the time comes, if they feel like their child or teen is doing better at home, you know, with parent-led homeschooling versus virtual schooling at home, they can make that educated decision, you know, on, on what's best for their child. So let's talk a little bit about how folks can get in touch with you and and the services that you provide. Um, You can, by the time this airs, um, we are establishing a new website and reorganizing some stuff. So you can find us at homeschoolhousecalls.com. Professional Home Educator will be put up under there. That's my personal consulting website. So we are kind of configuring, I'm trying to, you know, downsize, put things together. All the, all the workshops will be there. You'll be able to find um, on Facebook, you can find Professional Home Educator. All the workshops are there. You can schedule, go to the website and schedule um, appointments with me if you need to. Um, I work, I'm very, very wonderful with you mamas. That's my passion. Mamas are my passion because they don't realize how important they are and how, um, how much they contribute to the success of their family. Mothers are very hard on themselves. So that's what we work with. We have professional home educator and we have a self-care for homeschool moms group. So we work really, really strong with that. That's wonderful. So we like to end our episodes of FASD hope with what I like to call a hope takeaway, which is um, just a dose of hope that people who are listening can, can take with them on this journey. And today we're talking about homeschooling and the homeschooling journey. And you've been homeschooling for a long time. I've been homeschooling for an average time. (laughs) And we're talking, especially to those moms, those parents out there who either are just starting or, or maybe it's been a year or so. What are some rewards that you have received in choosing to homeschool your family? For me, I think um, the thing that I did not realize when I started was how wonderful it would be to see my children have relationships with their siblings. I kind of expected that it would, I would have a relationship with them and that it would be very strong, which is a wonderful, wonderful benefit, the relationship I have with my children. But I have loved seeing my children be each other's friends. I grew up in the public school system. And while I have a good relationship with my siblings, it's not what I see out of my children. It's my children have a stronger relationship. And I just, that has been my, my pleasant surprise that I did not realize that would happen through the years. So I think if I was going to offer hope, I would say, jump, do it, reconnect with your children and, and give, give it time and you'll see your children, re, you know, connect with each other, which is what it is really what it's all about. Family's important. Absolutely. What wonderful advice and what a wonderful hope takeaway for our listeners. Devin Vasco, thank you so much for being on FASD Hope. It was a pleasure. And I look forward to working with Devin again in the future. And if you're not on there, please look for Professional Home Educator on Facebook. We'll be listing Devin's 
information and contact information on fasdhope.com, as well as the program notes in today's episode. I'm so happy to have my friend Beth Corcoran of Flamingo Feathers on FASD Hope today. Beth, thank you for joining me. Oh, I'm so happy to do it. Beth and I became friends on, I believe, Facebook or Instagram, one of those social media sites. And we connected pretty quickly because not only of our homeschool journeys, but because of our family's journeys. And Beth is a valuable resource. Flamingo Feathers is aimed towards homeschooling families of kids who learn differently, who have different diagnoses, and just as an overall support for homeschool families. Flamingo Feathers is not only a podcast, which I am a subscriber and I listen to, but it's also a Facebook community. And at the end of this episode, we'll have Beth share her information about Flamingo Feathers. So we're going to start with uh, Beth's introduction and um, her journey into homeschooling. And Beth, I will hand the microphone over to you. Well, like Natalie said, my name is Beth Corcoran and I am the wife to my husband, Curtis, and we've been married for 16 years and we have eight children. Um, All have joined our family through adoption. Three of them joined us at birth. We adopted them as newborns. I even got to be in the delivery room for one of my kids. And um, then the other five joined us as older child adoptions. Um, We used to be foster parents and we adopted two of our foster kids. And then the other three we adopted, they were four, five, and six years old when we got them. It was a private adoption, though. And interestingly, um, it was actually 12 years ago today on the day that we're recording this um, that we that they came to join us. So 12 years now, that we've, they've been in our family. And I was a public school teacher. And that's what I have my degree in is uh, secondary social studies education. And that's kind of my passion. And so that's really what I thought was going to be the future for our family. Um, I liked the idea of teaching because I could be on the same schedule as my kids. And that was just kind of what we always thought we would do is have our kids in public school and I would teach in public school. But, you know, Natalie, how it goes with the best laid plans, right? So. Anyway, we got our kids, we had our, our young, or let's see, our first child was 18 months at the time when we had 12 years ago, had our oldest three join our family and um, they were preschool, kindergarten and first grade at the time. And it was November. So we were kind of winding down for the semester, but the kids were extremely behind academically and we just did not know what we wanted to do. And so we went ahead and just sat out the rest of the semester trying to get to know them a little bit. And that's when we decided to homeschool. We knew homeschoolers from our church in our community. Um, I didn't know much about homeschooling other than maybe some of the impressions I had of homeschoolers. Um, When I was growing up, there was some homeschoolers that I knew, but I didn't know much about homeschooling, but we decided that was what we were going to do to try to catch the kids up. And long story short, we never looked back. We kept adding kids to our homeschooling uh, roster, I guess, every year. Uh, All of our kids, because of adoption, they are all one year apart academically. At least our oldest six are. And so we um, just added one kid at a time every year to our homeschool. And so we had six kids that were being homeschooled. And 
then we had kind of a gap, like a five-year gap, I guess, between our oldest six kids and then our um, youngest ones. And so then we um, adopted a little guy with Down syndrome and he is now almost nine years old. And then our youngest is six years old right now. And those two, we have them together in first grade right now. And I plan to homeschool them as we go and um, to graduate them together eventually. I think it's great to have them paired up together like that. Since I'm basically, I feel like I'm starting all over again right now. So our oldest daughter, um, she's 18 and she lives on her own. And then our our oldest child that's at home is a junior right now in high school. So we've been homeschooling for about 12 years and uh, I, it's been an incredible journey. I've gone from having, you know, just wanting to homeschool to, for the, the reason of, you know, trying to catch the kids up and maybe bond with them more. So now we have a million reasons that we like to homeschool. And that's what we feel like God is calling us to do for our family. So yeah, that's kind of the story of how we got into homeschooling. And uh, it was kind of, I feel like I can kind of empathize with a lot of people who are homeschooling right now because of coronavirus, because we did not intend to do it. We just thought it was a short-term thing and it was not on our radar. And then (laughs) we never looked back. So um, I feel like I understand that whole surprise homeschooling that everybody's going through right now. But yeah, that's kind of how we got started. And it's so interesting that you say, you know, you homeschool to catch them up because the beauty of homeschooling is that you can meet them where they're at. So Mm -hmm. even if they never catch up, maybe they'll catch up in other areas, or maybe you'll see amazing skills in areas that you would have never seen in, you know, regular school or private school or whatnot. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate, first of all, wow, that you homeschool so many different grade levels at the same time. I mean, we just ended our our son's homeschooling journey and we just began our daughter's homeschooling journey. So you're, yes. you've got all these le- levels and, and we're just like, it's almost like, you know, two only children in our case, cause our kids are 13 years apart. So I love hearing when moms and, and families are so resourceful that they're able to meet all those needs of so many different levels and so many different challenges. So that's awesome. It's true. You know, we pulled our son out in the middle of the school year and we were, you know, our thought was we're going to homeschool and, you know, we were going to maybe retry another private school, you know, maybe down the road. But just like you said, once you're in the homeschool community, you realize that it's such a good fit for your family and for your kids, especially those kids that learn differently and have learning differences. And we're going to talk about that a little later in this episode. So tell me, when did you go from being homeschool mom to being homeschool mama advocate? Because you started Flamingo Feathers podcast and community. Tell me how that grew. I never really think of it as, oh, I'm a homeschool advocate, special needs advocate, but I guess in a way that's what it is. You know, back in, I guess about a year ago, I started a blog and the idea was to really minister to families who were kind of like me or my family, where we got thrown into large family kind of overnight. You know, we had eight kids by the time that we were, had been married, like what, 10 years, maybe (laughs) something like that. So we had a lot of kids fast and we were growing by, you know, two or three kids at a time. 
And I felt overwhelmed a lot. I felt ill-prepared for large family parenting. And so I started a blog about a year ago to really try to help bring in skills and things like that and encouragement for moms that were feeling like they were drowning in raising a large, maybe adoptive family. And what I found was that that was very, very small niche of people. Not everybody gets thrown into a large family like we have, but I had one question come up over and over and over again, and it was about special needs homeschooling, believe it or not, because, you know, in the adoptive community, um, it's just a very high ratio of kids that have learning disabilities or special needs. And so I had a lot of questions and I was getting asked a lot of questions about how I do it. And then came coronavirus and by the end of last, like the spring semester of 2020, you know, people were having to, you know, I use the, the, the air quotes very loosely homeschool their kids um, because homeschooling during the quarantine is not real homeschooling. It was right. duress homeschooling. <laughs> I like to refer to it as, as virtual schooling at home, because honestly, the COVID, the coronavirus has affected homeschoolers in a way that we can't go out and do our field trips and yes. do our co-ops and everything, you know? So I, I, that's one of the key points I communicate with people who ask about homeschooling. It's different than schooling at home. So. Excellent. Yes. That's, yeah. and, and I like to call it duress schooling. Because yeah. Even yeah. homeschoolers were suffering because, yes. and people said, well, oh, but you're used to it. No, no. we're used to going out and, and being in the community. Yes. And that was hard for everybody to not be able to do that. So I had a lot of people who were really stressed out with their kids in pub that were in public school and the distance learning stuff. And they were asking, starting to ask questions because they were seeing that this is not sustainable. And they were asking questions about homeschooling their kids with special needs. I, and typically with this, with, with those people that were asking questions, it was mostly people who have kids with learning disabilities, dyslexia, things like that. Like how, how would I be able to homeschool my kids at home if I don't have an IEP? Cause in our state, our state does not honor IEPs for homeschoolers. So answering a lot of those questions. And I found, I was looking at my Facebook messenger one day and I found that I had just thread after thread after thread of people asking me questions. And I got to thinking, what if instead of answering the same questions over and over again, what if I just take it to podcast form and do it that way so I can reach more people? And pretty quickly that evolved into the Flamingo Feathers podcast. And I sat down in a, like a 15 minute span of time, I sat down and came up with like 200 different ideas for podcast episodes. And I started reaching out to people. And, you know, one of the biggest, most supportive groups of people that I know is the special needs community. They're always willing to help each other and share their knowledge and advocate. And so you reach out to other special needs mamas and they are Oh, absolutely. I'm willing to help. I'm willing to speak on your podcast. So that's kind of what happened and how it, ha how it happened. And um, I started the, on Facebook, it's the Flamingo Feathers community. And, you know, the idea behind the community is not so much to just hash out the stuff that's on the podcast, but to provide a safe space for the parents that want to, you know, that need encouragement. 
because there, if you if you if you're on Facebook, you know there's a million different special needs homeschooling groups out there. There's some that are very large, have thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of members. And then there are some that are very specific to a disability. So I'm in one for Down syndrome and homeschooling, for instance. So you can find those resources. And if you get on those groups, what you see is you see, hey, has anybody tried XYZ curriculum? And then people say yes or no and kind of thing. Or, hey, does anybody have a resource for this? But what you don't see is hey, how can I support you? Are you struggling? And there's no real freedom to, that I've seen to open up and to say, hey, I'm struggling. And, or, hey, I found this and I just really want to encourage you with, with this word. And that's what I have my vision for with the Flamingo Feathers community is to provide a different kind of space for homeschooling moms that they can have that encouragement. And I know that takes time. You, it takes time to build that kind of community where there's that safety, that perceived safety there. So that's where we're at right now. And um, it's growing and it's still a small group, which I, I like that. I, I don't think I would be happy with thousands and thousands of people in the group. It's a, a place where you can come and you can encourage. And I encourage people to encourage others. You can share the resources. You can share the curriculum if something is it has really worked for you. By all means, do that. But at the same time, being able to feel safe and say, hey, I'm really having a hard time with this. Can you help me? And so that's that's the idea behind the community and Flamingo Feathers in general. And then I do have the blog. And I right now, I use it mostly for the show notes for the podcast episodes. But I'm starting to work into and, and weave in more material that will and um, and hopefully in 2021 that's the the goal is to have an extra material on the the site and extra resources not just the podcast show notes but you know I'm it's a one woman show so <laughs> I and somehow I have to homeschool all these kids <laughs> so that's kind of the I hear you goal. yeah yeah so. I hear you much less kid and many less kids than you but I, I totally hear you <laughs> you know doing your doing what you perceive as you know your mission which is flamingo right. feathers in our case is FASD hope doing all that while trying to homeschool so I, I definitely yeah, hear you yeah. and I can personally say that since I've joined flamingo feathers and since I started listening to your podcast. We both, and I think that's why I feel like I connect with you because we both want to give people hope and encouragement. Mm -hmm. And it's so important in this journey, especially when you're homeschooling a kid with special needs or who learns differently or who's going down a different path. We need encouragement. And Oftentimes we get the best encouragement from other parents who either have gone through the same journey or who are going through the same journey. Mm -hmm. So that's one, one of the many reasons why I love Flamingo Feathers. And I've only been on the Facebook group for a few months now, but I, I love it and I highly encourage it. And I also love Beth's podcast. You are just so warm and you are so friendly and engaging and you give your guest members a platform to share, you know, what's on their hearts and, and to share hope. So, and I'm, I'm thrilled to say that I've been a guest on your show and I loved yes. it. So I'm just thankful that you created Flamingo Feathers as a resource to homeschool moms and homeschool families. 
I think there's just so many beautiful things with homeschooling kids with special needs. One of the things that I think has been the best for my kids, I'm, I've got one child that, and I, I'm sure we'll probably talk about that here in a few minutes, one child that I highly suspect an FASD in, and he is about... Oh, I would say probably about three grade levels below his, his chronological peers. And while he does have some perception that he's behind at the same time, he's not getting that constant comparison and that feeling of shame or anything like that. He is happy that he's done his work for the day and, you know, and done his best and that is totally fine. And so I think it's, really nice to have that lack of comparison like you're not having sitting in a room full of people who are the same age as you and you're and feeling like oh I, I can't keep up you know so I think that's a really wonderful part of homeschooling and then we have the freedom to celebrate strengths but you know that kid he picked up some Legos yesterday and he built a snake that was like fully articulated. So like, you know, it could slither and move out of Legos and it had a working jaw and everything. And he just used regular Legos, like not even a kit or anything to build this thing. It was phenomenal. He's got some crazy great skills that we can develop in that area. And I think that's kind of the beauty of homeschooling is being able to see those strengths and celebrate those strengths and yeah, get, you know, do the other academic stuff that they need to do, but really being able, since we are around them all the time, to be able to hone in on those skills and not be imprisoned, I guess, by different regulations that, you know, the, the, the public schools have to follow. And a lot of those teachers that are in public school, I know, I, and I, just in talking to them, they see some of those skills and they see some of those strengths, but they, they're kind of stuck in being able to develop them because they do have to follow a certain protocol, I guess, at school. And so we have that freedom at home to be able to develop those things. And, and I think that's a really big, big plus, especially when you get into the teen years and they're really starting to have that independence, that, that desire to be their own person and develop their own skills. That's a really big deal. So, and then just for the practical side of things, homeschooling is awesome. If you have lots of therapies and doctor's appointments and stuff like that, because they're not, you're not pulling them out of class. They're not missing school. You can homeschool in the car. You can homeschool in a waiting room. You can rearrange your schedule for the day. It doesn't matter. You can, you can make it work. And it, so it's not a burden. They're not having to leave and then come back and try to figure out what they missed and then we are able to get our kids into a lot of different extracurricular activities, for instance, dance class. Um, but we are able to go to class during the day instead of at night because we are able to work around our homeschool schedule. And then that frees up our evenings to be together as a family more. So when you have kids with maybe some more profound needs, you're able to still say, Hey, we can work on academics. We can, we can do things however we want. It's, we don't have to focus just on life skills, for instance. Um, that's a big complaint that I've actually heard from many families is that when their kid was in public school, the special ed classes that they were in, were just mainly focusing on, well, let's just learn life skills, which there's definitely a place for learning life skills. It's important you know, some of these kids are also very much capable of learning to read and to write. And, um, you know, my son with Down syndrome is learning to read right now. And so being able to really hone in on the, the skills and the, the hone in on the strengths and be able to teach kids 
what you know we, we we can see their strengths and we can teach them the way that we, that really develops their god-given talents and really i i want to say almost even just promotes dignity for our kids and that's just the tip of the iceberg I agree. And I like to think of homeschooling also having a son who has an FASD and just finishing his homeschooling journey. I like to think of it as, as parents, we're like the treasure hunters in our kids. Mm -hmm. So we know that God has placed these amazing gifts in our kids. And we see a lot of the challenges and we see a lot of the stuff that's on top of it. But if you dig deep enough, and if you do that through connection, if you do that through trust, if you do that through letting them explore their interests, like the son, your son who did the Lego snake, that is awesome. I mean, I can think of so many skills that requires, you know, he's learning about physics by making the jaw move in the snake. And he's learning about almost like coding, you know, placing things and whatnot. There's so many skills in that one project that he did. So if you let them explore that, then their treasure will be revealed to you. And then you can say, this is what, this is what God put in you. This is what you were meant to do, you know, mm-hmm. or this was one of the many things, you know, our, our son is, a, is an aspiring young carpenter, but he's also wonderful at computers, you know, and he also rides a mean dirt bike. So, you know, it's great that we can learn these things about our kids while we're homeschooling. Let's talk a little bit about FASD, because when I was on your podcast talking about FASD, we had a candid conversation and I'd like to share with our audience, you know, if you're comfortable with it, a little bit about your family's journey with FASD, because I think it's important for families to hear from other families no matter where they are in the, you know, I'm, I'm suspecting my child has an FASD versus I'd like to start taking steps to get an FASD diagnosis to already having an FASD diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your family's FASD journey to give some hope and to give a little bit of insight to our audience? Sure. So we have... One of our children, he, he's one of our oldest, and we have suspected for a long time that there was probably fetal alcohol exposure. He has a cleft palate, cleft lip, and um, just some of the behaviors and, and things that we've seen academically have really had us maybe question some things. So we we have broached that subject with a doctor and um, then coronavirus hit and everything. So we haven't actually gone to go get the testing done yet. But I think the thing that came out of the conversation with you was I did not know that there were, well, I I knew there was a spectrum um, of how much a child has been affected by fetal alcohol, but I did not realize that there were so many symptoms, I guess, or comorbid things that go on. And so in talking to you, I was just like, it was like a light bulb went off with our son that when I mentioned a second ago that was building the snake, he is, he's so precious. I mean, his, his attitude, well, he's entering the teen years, so maybe not his attitude anymore, but he just has such a, a precious, innocent 
look at the world and just the sweetest kid and bless his heart he just has always struggled so much academically and we have really tried to trying to figure out what was going on just just like how much he would struggle he's very good at math but reading you know he was about oh probably about 10 9 or 10 before he finally was able to memorize the alphabet and then we're still reading, you know, he's, he's picking up on stuff. He's very dyslexic um, and he's dysgraphic. So reading and writing is very difficult for him still there. I'm seeing improvement, which is good, but we were just really struggling because a lot of the things, like I have another child that's dyslexic. And when we work through the remediation with the Orton Gillingham style curriculum and everything, he picked it up and it really did remediate things pretty quickly for him. But with my other son, we were just really struggling and, and he goes to speech therapy. We have a lot of speech. He, he was very delayed with speech when he joined our family. He was still nonverbal and then he moved into mimic, mimic uh, mimicking and mirroring us for a while. And so he was, oh, I would say probably about five or six before he was speaking independently and still kind of hard with the articulation side of things. So he's been in speech therapy since he was about two or three. Um, and he still goes there for, for language development as well. But, you know, one time I was talking to a speech therapist and she said something to me that kind of stuck out. She said he reminded her of, a, that, of, of one of her patients that had a traumatic brain injury. And because what we really struggle with with him is retention so he'll learn a skill and then five minutes later he'll forget that he even talked about it or he even learned about it and so until things have been repeated so many times they move into long-term memory it's been a really big struggle and he'll sometimes like just you know five minutes later you'll ask him what did you learn on that page and he doesn't even remember that he's read the page so we've had all of these conversations and and the reason I say this is this is not you know, we've been dealing with this for many years, um, trying to figure out and investigate and explore what's possibly going on. And we've been working on therapies and stuff like that, but it wasn't until I talked to you and, and just something clicked that I was like, Oh, I think he may be on, he may have a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. I mean, really, truly it makes total sense at this point. And when I spoke with you, you know, and shared with you the primary characteristics of SASD mm-hmm. and memory is yes hallmark. It's one of the key things because when you learn about the science of FASD, the way that alcohol affects an unborn child, you realize that the connections are not always there. So there is difficulty with an individual who has any type of FASD to retrieve that information because the neurons, the cells are not always functioning. And, and that was our, that was one of the things that made us realize when our son was older, that one day he could remember something, but then the next day he couldn't, Yes, you know, and we thought, oh, well, he's just not paying attention. No, a hundred percent. No, it's because that day his memory would not allow him to access that information because of the way it was stored. So like you said, when it's repeated and when you give kids with, you know, an FASD multiple opportunities to learn information in multiple ways, whether it be tactile, visual, auditory, 
there are more opportunities for that information to stick, as I like to call it, you know, to, to stay in there their, and then go to their long-term memory. And the other thing that you mentioned too, is that FASD, you were, the therapist had said that it was, you know, when she had a client who had brain injury, FASD is prenatal brain injury mm-hmm. and people don't realize it. Alcohol affects the brain worse, more than any other substance that can be exposed, for example, you know, illegal drugs, that kind of thing. So they're essentially an individual that has an FASD is essentially obtaining brain damage and brain injury before birth. So yes, you're going to see similar symptoms as someone who has a brain injury as a lived experience after, you know, after they're born. So I'm really thankful that you were able to make that connection. And I believe what what I did was I I like to say that my husband and I are like, we're like that sign in the road that has all the arrows pointing in different directions. (laughs) We're, We're no experts by any means. But what we like to do is say, okay, you know what, we've had we've had lived experience as parents this is the direction you might want to try, or this is the direction. And I think that being able to point you into that direction of saying, okay, well, here's some FASD diagnostic clinics. Here's some organizations that you can learn more about. I'm so thankful that we were able to do that. And of course, in COVID, you know, it's not as easy, but there are clinics that if you're listening and if you suspect your child has an FASD, there are quite a few clinics around the country that can begin the process of evaluation over, you know, virtually. So that's, that's a huge point. So I I thank God that our paths have crossed and that, you know, we've become virtual friends because I think that if you suspect your child may have an FASD, then that's something you definitely want to pursue, you know, in your own time, you know, in your family's Mm -hmm. own time, of course. So thank you for sharing that with our audience. I think that's so important to know that no matter where you are in, in the FASD journey, it's important to know, it's important to know the, the, the key information. I'm so glad that you've created Flamingo Feathers, both the podcast and the community. Before we end our episode, Let's just talk about what, what's your hope for the special needs homeschool community as a whole? What do you hope to see in 2021? Well, obviously it's been growing a lot this year and I would love to see uh, it to continue to grow. And for the people who joined under duress this year, by next year, they'll kind of have gotten their footing and continue on and they'll, they'll see growth, growth in their homeschool. They'll thrive. Definitely want to see that. But in general, I think I want the homeschooling community to see that, um, well, the homeschooling kids with learning disabilities and with special needs, it's that it is a legitimate thing. I mean, there are some places, some, and there's where people kind of get a lot more negativity about doing that. And they feel like the place to homeschool or the, the place to, for kids with, with disabilities and learning um, disabilities is in the public school. So there are, um, for instance, there's a 
like um, people who homeschool kids with Down syndrome, I think you meet a lot of negativity. And so I would love to see as, and I think COVID's kind of been a blessing with that is as more people are doing it, you're starting to see, oh, it is actually doable. And um, so I, I'm hoping that as we move into the coming year that we start to see it more legitimized, I guess, and, uh, and celebrated and encouraged. And because of that, then there'll be more and more resources available as well. So that's definitely a hope. But I think my hope for the, the moms who listen to me and the moms who join in my group and the ones that are kind of part of my flock, I guess, just the idea that, yes, we're going to go through dark valleys. And honestly, COVID has been a dark valley because a lot of our kiddos, they need that routine and they need that um, being able to go to their activities where they belong and they, they feel that belonging and they're not getting that right now. And so it's been a hard year. And so just the encouragement for them to walk through those dark valleys, but also to say, when you make it to that mountain, the mountaintops, it is the sweetest, most beautiful thing because we celebrate everything. And when you have gone through, you know, a hard fight, like, you know, I remember trying to just get my, you know, help my son to understand the alphabet. And then when he started to read independently, just the celebration of that, it's just so sweet. It's so sweet to be able to see those accomplishments. And so I think that's the biggest thing that I want the homeschooling, this, especially the special needs homeschooling community to this to see is that, you know, we may be going through, you know, d- darker valleys right now of things may be a little more difficult than they normally have been. But I think on the other side, it's going to be super sweet. So just keep on keeping on and just put your trust in the Lord and he'll get you through it. And um, also I would say this during this time, it's it's just a little aside that's been very helpful for me is keep a journal, like just journal things, because when you go back through, you're going to see, oh my goodness, there really has been so much more growth than I remember. And when you get frustrated, you can go back to that journal and you can look and say, oh my goodness, I... I didn't see X, Y, and Z happen, but it has. And, and I think it really helps you to have perspective as well. I love it. I love the encouragement you provide and I love your point of view. It's just so valuable and so hopeful. So before we share your contact information and your podcast information, I like to end our episodes on what we call a hope takeaway, which is kind of like a dose of hope that you can give our audience out there. You've said so many wonderful and encouraging pieces of advice. Any final words for our audience to just keep on, like you said, to keep on keeping on and to hold on to that hope? Sure. Um, I'm going to share with you our family's Bible verse that we have on a big board in our living room. And it's Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen. Beth, thank you so much for being on FASD Hope. Thank you so much for having me. And can you share with our audience your information and how people can get in touch with you or listen to Flamingo Feathers or learn about the Flamingo Feathers community? Sure. So Flamingo Feathers is available on all major podcasting apps. And um, it's also available if you go to my website, it's www.flamingo-feathers.com. 
and every podcast episode that has show notes is on there and then there's a little um media player on each episode so you can listen to each episode on the website as well and then um as you go around the menu on the website on the flamingo feathers website you'll see a link to the community group on facebook but you can also find it by just searching on facebook it's the flamingo feathers community and uh, i think the address for that is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash flamingo feathers so and then i'm on um, instagram as well you can find me um flamingo feathers underscore, underscore beth and so I think that's the, the main areas where I'm at, but the website is actually kind of the hub and you can find me everywhere else by just going to that main website. Terrific. We'll also list Flamingo Feathers, the website, the social media handles, and Beth's information on our website, as well as in our program notes for today's episode. Beth, thank you again for being on FASD Hope. I'm thrilled. Thank you so much for having me. Take care and we'll catch you next time. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Podbean, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next week and remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.